Welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside Podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nothing. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Free From Afar, and with me as always is my co-host Chuck Bailey. Hi. And joining us as always is super producer Ian Stimson. Ian wants to go fast this week, because we are recording late. This is an emergency episode, so we are going to fly through this week. Thank you for joining us if you are a returning listener. We're happy to have you if you are a new listener. We are one American and two Brits, and we talk about the Premier League, but mostly we just talk about nothing. And make jokes. And we start off, as we always do, with a segment called Rapid, Rapid, Rapid Fire News. Our top story this evening. Dries Merton says, there's a 75-year-old lady who lives above me. If I played badly, she'll give me a slap. Isn't that so funny, Chuck? Ha 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 you Are you alright? <laughs> <laughs> right, just give me a minute, lads. I'll just press record. <laughs> <laughs> Was that good? Did I stumble on any of that? I think you did pretty well. Yeah. I should get. I should uh, take up a rap career. It sounds like. <laughs> Seems so. Well, the police are after you anyway. Yeah. So to jump into the quotes, Dries Mertens, who has been playing for Napoli since 2013, described Italy as a football in Italy as a wonderful sickness. Uh, people are infected with this love from the sport from childhood to old age. There's a lady who lives above me. I think she's 75 years old, and every morning she says to me, "You played well, good boy." Or, if I played badly, she'll give me a slap and say I could have done better. I have two questions from this. One, where does Dries Mertens live that he has a 75-year-old lady living above him? And two, how much money has this 75-year-old lady got that she lives above Dries Mertens? (laughs) (laughs) Like, is she keeping him out of the penthouse? Uh, Maybe, I don't know. Or he's just trying to, like, really do the whole, like, hipster vibe and, like, live with the commoners and the... The provincial Italian life, you know? I'd gladly live underneath a 75-year-old Italian woman because I guarantee she makes some amazing pasta. And if she's coming over to slap him, he can probably be like, hey, can I get some sauce? Can I get some fettuccine? Like, what? you know, what's going on here? <laughs> I love the way Oscar just goes straight into sort of old New Yorker vibe instantly. Oh, uh, whenever Italian food comes up, it's not even on purpose. Yeah. Like, honestly, that I was just, just comes out. Yeah. Hey, you know, I got some sauce. Eh? Forget about it. <laughs> All right, well, let's keep it moving because we are trying to actually be rapid, as I alluded to in our insane intro today. Uh, Next story, Hugo Lloris, Tottenham captain, set to miss the rest of 2019 with a dislocated elbow. He does not need surgery, but he will not be able to train again until 2020. I mean, no shit, his arm went the wrong way. I didn't see it because I obviously, as mentioned last episode, was at... At Comic Con, was it as bad as everyone's saying? It's just not. It's just not particularly pleasant. It's not like it's not an absolute horror show, but he lands on it. It clearly goes the wrong way, and it's just like, geez. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, pretty much that. Our best to him on a speedy recovery. I'm sure he's a regular listener, but you know, you never want to see anyone get injured like that. No, there were like 30 seconds of tweets where people were going, "Oh, he's just feigning injury because uh, he he fucked up," and then. Then all of those people saw the replay and just shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, it was just <laughs> exactly. fucking horrible. Uh, yeah. He was on morphine and was apparently screaming his way down the tunnel. Ooh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no morphine good. and oxygen and yeah, just grim. That's no good. And then Spurs got battered. So. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll, think we'll definitely <laughs> get to that. Uh, our next story. Wow, we're really moving fast this week. I'm proud of us. Bastian Schweinsteiger, World Cup winning midfielder, has retired at the age of 35. Stimmers, when's your birthday? Uh, 10th of January. Okay, so you are slightly older than him by about a few months, Um, but he is retiring former Germany, Manchester United, and Bayern Munich midfielder. Did you guys even know that he was still playing? Nope, thought he'd already retired years ago. I would also like to announce my retirement from football. (laughs) It's fair. The dream is done. You've put in a good shift. Thanks, mate. 35 does seem young to be retiring. I remember when he was like the young and -and up-and-coming German star at like the 06 World Cup. I mean, he went to play in MLS. Isn't that the same as retiring? <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell Zlatan that. Oh, fuck Zlatan. Zlatan, who, quote, has not ruled out a move back to Italy. I would like to also rule out a return to Syria. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enough bullshit news. Let's get to, obviously, the meat and bones of this week. The thing we're really here to talk about. Colleen Rooney and Rebecca so Vardy are in a row over <laughs> leaked... Stories. Colleen Rooney is claiming that someone using Rebecca Vardy's Instagram has leaked stories about her to a tabloid newspaper. She says she spent about five months working out who was giving out information <laughs> from her personal Instagram account. Five months. Ah, <laughs> oh, this is just, it's just been the best Twitter day ever. I've enjoyed myself so much. Yeah, Stimmers, why don't you take the lead on this? Because you really have been like shining today online. 
Uh, it's been so good. I mean, so yeah, Co- Colleen's apparently some sort of spy figure who has set up a sting operation where she's blocked everyone on her personal account except Rebecca Vardy and then planted false stories on it to see if they went into the Sun newspaper. And then Rebecca Vardy's response was, oh, well, a few people have, have got access to my Insta, Insta account and blah, 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 which at best her defence is, Oh yeah, I've got really shit security on my account. Sorry about that. Like, right. like that's that's the best <laughs> defense here. I'm, I'm sorry about that. Someone I trust with my passwords has been leaking your stuff. Sorry about that. <laughs> and um, and then Twitter's just gone to town on it. I mean, it's been so good. Uh, the 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 meme with um, someone's built like the detective in the Usual Suspects, yeah. like realizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, about um, <laughs> Kevin Spacey's character being uh, Kaiser so saying with the tweet and stuff, cut, cut in with the big sort of, and then it's Rebecca Vardy's account and he drops the coffee cup. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. Uh, that was definitely my favorite one of the memes. Yeah, the way she wrote good. it though, like she should definitely write some sort of mystery novel, right? Like that's <laughs> yeah. her, her clearly her transition into the genre yeah. because it's like. Paragraph, paragraph, paragraph. It's been tough keeping it to myself. <laughs> I've saved and screenshotted original stories, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And then it's dot, 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 about 10 dots. And then <laughs> Rebecca Vardy's account. Dun, dun, dun. It's I so mean, good. Let's face it. Can you trust someone that spells Rebecca like that? No. No, clearly not. Good point. Exactly. That so, was your first clue. So do we believe Rebecca Vardy in the slightest when she says that it wasn't her? Nah. No. <laughs> I mean, we should be tread lightly around libelous claims, but uh, I nah, suspect I'm inclined to side with, you know, Colleen here. Yeah, I think I don't think. Look, they've never painted themselves as the classiest couple. I mean, Jamie Vardy drinks vodka that's been laced with Skittles. I mean, the guy's not <laughs> exactly a classy character, is he? So I don't. I don't think we should worry too much about slandering the Vardy's name. Yeah, fair enough. He, uh, Someone did tweet this morning, imagining the Vardy household right now, Rebecca shrieking, blue murder, Jamie's on his ninth Red Bull, and the kids are crying. <laughs> Which, to uh, me, just sounds like a, any regular morning in Jacksonville, Florida, but... You know. <laughs> Another great one I've seen is two photos of, like, a, a VAR screen saying, check in, it's... And then the second one says, decision, Rebecca Vardy's account. <laughs> <laughs> they finally got one right. It's just fucking brilliant. Yeah. I saw one that was, like, it's dot, 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 and then it was a multiple choice. And the first one, it's Britney bitch. <laughs> it's gonna be me. <laughs> and then it's Rebecca Vardy's account. Yes! Oh, oh. this one's gonna run. I love it. I love it. And the, the hashtag is Wagatha Christie. <laughs> it's just the best. I love Twitter on stuff like this. Uh, what a delightful day. I guess the question is, like, what mystery do we put her on to next? What can well, she solve? Yeah. She needs to be the next James Bond. She needs to be sorting out Brexit. She needs to be doing everything. Such a genius little sting operation. I love it. Honestly, I could talk about this for the next hour, but we should probably <laughs> talk about the football so let me pull up the fixtures list and we'll start making our way through and... Whoa! <laughs> yeah. oh, what's happened? I forgot about this because I was... Casual <laughs> trip down memory lane. Yep. You know, you know it's a good one where even I'm kind of happy when it involves Brighton succeeding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course, right. I, I, wondered, I thought so it genuinely had happened, but you'd just seen the first... No, no, I just fixture. totally forgot about this. I didn't, I didn't watch any of the football on Saturday because I was at Comic-Con and... So I guess I must have gotten a text about it, but like, you know, we were in the middle of all the craziness. So I just pulled up the fixture list. (laughs) Brighton 3, Tottenham 0, and much, even much more delightfully than that, Brighton 2.4 on XG to Tottenham's 0.5. Yeah. They were woeful. Yep. And they were coming off a horrible result in the midweek, too. Oh, yeah, because we had not mentioned that, that they got battered by Bayern Munich. What a week. Poor little Mauricio Pochettino with his sad little face and Christian Eriksen shagging Vertonghen's misses or something. No, the <laughs> other way around. Sorry. Uh, we need to get Colin Rooney on the job, I think. Yeah, exactly. Get, sort this out. get Rooney on it. Yeah, things are really falling apart over there. And it does very much seem to be like a interpersonal... Between the players and the manager, like just everybody's pissed off and hates each other. I think we briefly touched on this last week, but then since then it's really taken off. 
like significantly worse and worse situation. Like Brighton hadn't won, I don't think, since the opening day, and they'd lost like their last five or something. Like they had not been like not won, sorry, in five. They just put them to the sword. Absolutely, it was abject, and he played like a weird formation. He had like Sissoko at right back, and uh, yeah, fuck him. I I wish I had been able to see it genuinely. Like we were having a good time, but like this sounds like I missed out on something fun because two point well two point six for underside two point four I think for Kaylee to zero point five on XG is like genuine dicking. Like mm-hmm. genuinely yeah. played off the pitch. So are we worried about Tottenham? I mean, not personally, but <laughs> don't don't mind that much. It was just one of them things where like after the midweek game where they got a genuine absolute dick in against it was Bayern, wasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. And then they go one nil down to Brighton, and you think, well, there's there's bound to be a reaction now. There's got to be a reaction, surely. And the reaction was just play shitter. It like <laughs> it was really poor. I mean, Brighton were very good as well. To be fair, they weren't doing. I think they when they played um, when they played Chelsea, Oscar. I think they re- they did resort to sort of fouling, try and break up play like that. There was none. They they smelt blood and just went for it. Yeah, they, they yeah, were they really did. They good. Were, they were pressing. They were they were really good. And uh, Connolly, uh, the guy that scored yeah. two, was uh, scored some amazing goals. The yeah, oldest nineteen just, year old in the world. Yeah, he looks about thirty. <laughs> um, we'll check that. We'll check. Someone check his passport. Um, but yeah, Spurs are shit. Brighton done good, but really Brighton are shit. There we go. Next game analysis. Well. Looking at the XG and the scores, it seems like pretty much everyone this week is kind of, sort of, the Burnley of the week. But given this performance, we kind of have to give out the award right now. And that is, I believe, Stimmers, you have a new jingle ready to go for this. Yeah, I've got a jingle. Oh, they're better than they ought to be. Burnley of the week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm a jingle, baby. (laughs) You made it. Well, it's always fun when we get to give the Burnley of the week to Burnley themselves. No way. Yep, Burnley won, <laughs> Everton 0, and I believe the XG had it at 0.6 to 1.2. So they did less than half of the other team's XG, and they won. So That'll be a Burnley. Good old-fashioned Burnley. Against 10-man Everton. Everton suck as well, though. God. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. On the wrong end of a good old-fashioned Burnleying. Burnleying. <laughs> yeah, there we go. And uh, enough said about that. Yeah, that's all I had. I just wanted to give out the award, because anytime you can Burnley... When Burnley Burnley, they're obviously going to win the award just by default. Yeah, that's fair enough. So, moving on to the next one, we had Liverpool 2, Leicester 1. This one has a bit of the Burnley of the Week potential, although we gave out the award already, because Liverpool did 2.7 plus a pen, only scoring 2 when really you would expect them on average to score about 4. Is that like the anti-Burnley of the week? Yeah, that's anti-Burnley. No, and then Leicester City scored one on 0.4. So, or 0.1 according to Understat. So depending on which model you look at, Leicester really didn't deserve a goal. And Liverpool should have put this away much, much more easily. Yeah. From what I read online, this was like a late win, a bit of a persevering win for Liverpool. Is that right? It was a penalty. 95th right minute penalty, end. yeah. Yeah, it was, it was one of those ones where you watched on balance of play and Leicester still went for it, but... Liverpool just weren't really putting away chances, as the XG kind of can tell. I mean, Salah and Mane were actually passing to each other. Yeah, that was notable, actually. That was yeah. and picked out on match of the day to say, oh, well, they don't look like they've got problems. Oh, they? Like, they do, yeah. Like, they do. Salah doesn't <laughs> pass. Like, he hates it and doesn't like Mane. And Mane is, if you watch him whenever Salah scores, he is the most dead-faced man in the world. But yep. anyone else scores and he's happy and smiling. Yeah. Um, that's been a thing for all of last year, too. Like, you can really tell that they barely tolerate each other's presence on the pitch. But, you know, Liverpool go to 17 wins in the bounce now. Eight games, eight wins. It's champions form, I'm telling you. This is what this is what champions do, where they squeak through. When they actually hit some form, if they hit their stride and they still haven't lost a match, I mean, fucking hell. Because this is them scraping through. I think it's... That it could have gone two ways this year because obviously to lose the league by one point is 
a massive kind of wounder, especially when it was so so hard, so many points. It wasn't even yeah. like it was a, you know, just peeking ahead of a group. They were by far and away Liverpool and City the best two teams last year, and so winning the Champions League has probably given them enough of a psychological boost to kind of get over that. Yeah, and they look they look really strong. They look really cohesive, even though they had a few defensive problems at the start. I mean, as, as well so far, this has mostly been. Without Allison, who we, along with Van Dyke, obviously we and everyone else sort of said that that was an incredibly important signing for Liverpool, mm. and they've managed. You know, it could, they could have gone really wrong. I mean, there's, Adrian's a serviceable keeper, but he's not anywhere near the level of Allison. No, obviously. he's exactly that. No, he's not even close. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it could have gone really, really wrong, and they've managed to get through it. And I'm, I'm not obviously, I'm not one of these who says it's over because that's just utterly ridiculous especially based on what happened last time with points difference and the time it was it was christmas yeah, it was much mm. much later in the yeah week. exactly and i don't i love it when bookies pay out ridiculously early because that's obviously just a fucking publicity stunt but it's you know it is what champions do and man city do not look i mean we're going to go through this in, a, in an episode later on maybe next week because uh, we're going to have a little look at the league in total, we're going to sort of round up what's what's happened after eight game weeks. But um, I think Liverpool are, are, are getting through this period. I think if they hit their if they hit their stride, they're laughing. It's going to be it's going to be very hard to catch them. Yeah, and they're about to play. They're about to play Man United and Tottenham. Like well, that's fine. the thing. You'd have looked at that fixture run at the start of the season, and like certainly from a fantasy football perspective, it was like, oh, that's when you might sort of jettison a couple of Liverpool players. Got Man U, Tottenham. I uh, can't remember who else it is. Uh, Villa then City Villa then City right okay but I mean the f- yeah Man United Tottenham don't look like they're going to pose much of a threat now I mean they're, they're playing them at a good time so yeah who knows but I think uh, Liverpool look very strong yep and people much much smarter than us the good folks over at 538 have the Premier League uh, probabilities at Liverpool with 56% okay and City down to 41 wow that's still really close though Sure, yeah, because again, City are clearly the best team by the underlying points, uh, the underlying stats. But you know, an eight-point head start from here to the end is a is a sizable gap, um, and so they are definitively favorites, fifty-six to forty-one percent. Chelsea in with a shout at two percent. Hey, punches chance. Yeah, two. Everybody else is less than one percent. So I'm I'm not putting my money on that. Um. <laughs> no, you should not. If I get better than fifty to one, I'm doing it. <laughs> well, someone else you should not be putting money on to do anything good is Norwich. Norwich won Aston Villa five. Oh god, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. What when we said that Pookie would be a good idea in FPL? He and, was my uh, captain. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Cheeky captain. Norwich at home are supposed to be better, but this they conceded three point two plus a pen to Villa. They should not have beaten Man City. Yeah, that's looking more and more like an absolute anomaly, isn't it? They should have just lost to Man City because that's just an expected result. No real fuss about it. And then they could have got some results as opposed to being absolutely destroyed by everyone. Yeah, the uh, caption on the XG map from Kaylee says, The Canaries' commitment to attacking in numbers while being absolute dog shit at defending is both inspiring and beautiful. <laughs> so they really just overcommit. Yeah, I've got a soft spot for it. I, they remind me of Peterborough. You've just got to score more than you let in, but when that's five, you're going to fucking struggle. <laughs> yep. And you've got like eight injuries. Yeah, and after that result, 538 has them at the most favoured to get relegated at 51%. Ahead of Watford, ahead of Villa, and ahead of Newcastle, even. Newcastle. Yeah. So, bad, bad times for Norwich. Brilliant commitment to that pronunciation. Absolutely. All season long. Moving along, we get to poor old Watford, who continue to be the (laughs) anti-Burnley. By which I mean Watford 0, Sheffield United 0, Watford 1.5... On XG oh, God. to Sheffield 0.4. <laughs> so, <laughs> poor old Watford. Yeah. Okay, so Watford are the anti Burnley of the week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Underperforming their numbers. Sheffield managed to generate such little XG on like 61% possession, I think. 
I mean, that's impressive in itself. I mean, what were they doing with the ball? It seems to be a bit of an anomaly for them, uh, especially after the good results they've had recently. And Chris Wilder, like when they lost 1-0 to Liverpool, it wasn't like, uh, well, we come here and play the big teams or whatever. He he was genuinely disappointed because yeah. he, he was like, we should have got something out of that good game. reason. And he dug out his goalkeeper, didn't he? Uh, a li- Well, he kind of did a bit of both. I think it was harsh. Did a bit of both, but um, is it Henderson? Yes, that's right, yeah. He he saved them in this game, and so yeah. God knows, if he if Wilder was pissed off about losing to Liverpool <laughs> 1-0, God, how has he been to draw with bloody Watford? Watford. Yeah. They got three <laughs> points after eight games. Poor Watford, though, have... I, I don't remember seeing... Other than actually Palace, that one year where they couldn't fucking score for like nine games. Uh, seven games. Seven games, much. sorry. And then Aspie scored the own goal. <laughs> but besides that, I don't remember Correct. a stretch of games where... <laughs> oh, God, I forgot about the Aspie. Saved by an Aspilicueta Saved by an Aspie on goal, yep. Mm-hmm. There I, was a I guy, remember that. I can't, I can't remember if I said it on the pod, but there was a guy who, after four games, said... I will get the name of the player on the back of a Palace shirt, whoever scores the first goal. Love and that. so he had Azpilicueta on the back of a Palace shirt. That's fantastic. I love that story. Loved it. Um, Good day, straight the ball. <laughs> Good day. But what I was saying is besides that run from Palace, there are a few times I've seen a team as far away from their expected numbers over, what, eight matches as Watford currently. They are... Five goals less allowed, or rather five goals more allowed than you would expect. Their XGA is at about 15, and they've allowed 20. And even more than that, they've only scored four when their XG has them at about 11. Yeah. So, like, almost triple the number of goals that they have actually (laughs) scored. You'll see random, like, variance is crazy like that, where you'll just see a five-run match, you know, a five-run stretch where a team is like, way underperforming and then as you get further and further out into the season 10 games certainly 15 games you see the underlying numbers approach the real numbers but this is fucking insane they are the anti-burnley it's now doing a watford it's playing really well getting the uh, getting the stats and then just doing fuck all with it yeah by the underlying numbers they have it at eighth in expected points ahead of tottenham arsenal and leicester jesus that's how good their underlying numbers are and how obviously fucking terrible their real numbers are. So I wonder, like, if there's something actually going on there that's making them stay away from their underlying numbers. Because that does happen. Like, we have seen really good goalkeepers or really good strikers have that. Or if it's just a weird... They like, have missed, in the last few weeks, they've missed a lot of absolute sitters in front of goal. Like, I remember seeing maybe Will, Will Hughes once... Andre Gray this week, and there was one more where the ball is played across the front of the goal. It's beaten the goalkeeper, and all the player has to do is tap it in, and they sky it over the bar or skew it wide of the post. So that that will probably equate for like two goals that they should have got because of XG and the weird percentages. But it just yeah, it just hasn't gone right for them. And they've you know they they had the the FA Cup against Man City right at the end of last season and just got smashed. Uh, like, that game was embarrassing. And they've just carried that on. And obviously, Javi Gracia binned. Kike Sanchez Flores is in. It's Like, he's not going to stay long. Like, that's no, just a fact not of if how this keeps happening too. Are. So they're going to be on their third manager of this season. And, and then what? What if it doesn't stop then? Like... Has- and has he changed anything regarding like you guys are better at this stuff than me? But like, has he changed anything regarding the like attacking setup there? Because I know that before, like Delafay was sometimes being played on the left, where he clearly had no interest at all yeah. in tracking back, or well, just play, he just did not want to be there. Like, and you could definitely on at least two two of Watford's games, you could like pinpoint that as a massive problem because the left hand side of the pitch was out of action it just it was yeah. it was a no go so uh, has he done anything to change the attacking setup or Dini's been injured yeah. for the last few weeks i believe which is obviously he's the club captain and mr watford and all that yeah but i, I don't even it's hard to to really say and to be honest i'm not sure if he's changed the attacking because everything's been so woeful at the back and they haven't had the ball that it's almost like they can't build through the through the thirds of the pitch. Mm. 
and and their defense is so dem- I mean Ben Foster has been has been making saves left right and center like it could be so much worse for Watford if he hadn't been in really good form you know you look even against the Man City game and it should have been about 12 nil and he he was making some great saves and pulling them in and they're just it's just not Watford the way it was I, I don't I can't really put my finger on it specifically but I guess maybe it's just all of the changes and instability and you know we joked that Oh, finally, Javi Gracia made it a calendar year, and then he made it a full season. It's like that catches up with you eventually. Yeah, yeah, and I I can't say that I've seen anything either in terms of like the tactical setup or the system. I think what what's happening, at least from like a casual like cursory glance, is that they're breaking down in the both penalty boxes. So like they're really good in the middle third, really even in like the middle 80% of the pitch and they're creating the chances. They're mostly stopping other teams from having clear open shots, at least as well as they would hope to. Um, but then when it comes to the final shot or when it comes to like the actual sort of final defensive action, whether that's a save or a deflection off a keeper, off a defender or like whatever it is, like the very last action seems to just be happening to go against them in like really unpredictable and weird ways. Like, they're just, there's people are scoring on them from distance, people are scoring on deflections, and they're just, like, they're getting really unlucky with the finishing. Like, shots that are easy shots are just getting fucked up. And I don't know if that's a psychological thing or if it's just a coincidence. Like, I, I genuinely can't answer that question, and they obviously can't either. Otherwise, they wouldn't be stuck this way. But my my gut tells me, just because, like, Again, underlying numbers over a short run can be far away from the truth, but over an entire season, over 30 games or even over 20 games, like the, they are very, very good at predicting stuff. So my read on it is that they're gonna improve. They'll, I think they're still gonna finish like mid table probably, but in the, like, it's just a matter of getting to that point and making it through this weird ass stretch. It's still, it's still as well, like everything is, is very congested. And we'll we'll come on to it more in a week, but Watford have been absolutely horrendous all season, like appalling. But they could get out of the relegation zone with four points. Yeah, that does put it into perspective. You're quite right to say it because yeah. yeah, you need such a short run of form and you're out. So yeah, I mean a yeah. good example of that, and we can move on to the next match here. Is Palace are on level level <laughs> on points with Leicester and Chelsea? Like, I don't think anyone would go. Chuck, Chuck, give it a second. We'll get there. <laughs> God, no, no. I, I like seeing Chuck positive. Let him do. Let him do it. Only because you know there's an inevitable spiral. Yeah, yeah. Let me get my bit in, and then we'll listen to him descend into sadness slowly but yeah, surely. I need the hide before I have to come down. Come on. Um, but I don't think anyone would argue that like Palace have been as good as Chelsea and Leicester. You know what I mean? Even though those are the three teams on fourteen points. So I think your point about the table being early is like exactly right. Yeah, it is. And if you look at our fixtures, we've played a lot of the easier teams. I mean, we're going into now Man City, Leicester, Liverpool, Arsenal. I think those are our next four games. And obviously, we just played West Ham and West Ham were in really good form. And everyone's been saying about Leicester and how great they've been this season. And just Palace have kind of snuck up there. I mean, Chelsea, it makes sense when they're scoring that many goals. But... I don't think we played really that well against West Ham, but we seem to be getting the luck at the minute. Um, obviously, VAR coming to our rescue <laughs> and beating West Ham at the London Stadium. That was good, which I wasn't so sure about last week. Um, but predictions-wise, I did quite well. You did do quite well. You Actually, yeah, you deserve to uh, crow yeah. a little bit about that. <laughs> we'll get to it later. Okay. Uh, Stevie Bruce. Oi, oi. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's it's... It's so strange and it's kind of, again, like I just said with Watford, it shows how congested and crazy the league is that you don't really need to go on too good of a run to all of a sudden climb at the minute. It is still after eight games and I think we're all kind of forgetting that. But even so, you can you can only beat who's put in front of you and yeah. Crystal Palace have traditionally been slow starters. So it's Very nice true. to see you up there. With a few games gone, you know? And this is the second week in a row also that they are like genuinely exact value for the result. I think, remember, we made a joke last week about how Kaylee didn't have a caption for the map. 
<laughs> yeah, happened again this week. <laughs> Brilliant. In fact, he didn't even upload the map until the next day, which is like, he has no interest whatsoever in Palace's results. Oh, we should keep an eye on that, see if he's got an anti-Palace bias. Because it was 1.3 plus a pen, and they scored two, so exactly there. 1.2 to West Ham, and they scored one. So again, pretty much exactly spot on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the penalty and Van Arnholt stepping up to take it. That was... Yeah. I, d- I didn't realise that until I was watching Match of the Day later. Yeah, because your man, um, your usual penalty taker, is he suspended or something at the minute? Or, Fifth yellow or... card, yeah, after oh, seven games. okay, fine. Standard. Um, right, so, but yeah, PBA stepped up and uh, dispatched it. So. Smashed it, amazing. Top man. But we we also identified, I mean, West Ham have been really good attacking this season. Playing them at home, this could have genuinely been a sort of banana skin just to slightly derail you before, as you've put on Twitter a couple of times, you've got a nasty run coming up. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you, you dealt with West Ham and their attacking threat really well. I mean, that was it's, it's all been positive so far. I know, it, you know, you, you might not have dominated any matches particularly, but... You know, you've beat who's been put in front of you. Yes, you go into this run now, but you can afford a couple of losses now. I think you've put yourself in a yeah, decent position. I don't, I don't think... I think you're right. That we haven't really... I'd say maybe the Man United game was probably... Where yes. We played some of the best football because it was just tight yes. and, it, and it worked. But other than that, yeah, we've not really blown anyone away. But that's, that's kind of what should happen sometimes in the Premier League. That because we've played, you know, we've played all three of the promoted sides... Uh, we got two wins and a loss, um, but that's that's what you should be doing. You, you should be beating those teams and getting through and getting a result. My only concern at the minute, and it's been highlighted a bit, is our squad is a bit thin, and it's you know we've not scored many goals, so we're up in sixth, but it's eight games, eight goals scored, eight goals conceded, which is good and and shows that our defense is working, especially in all kinds of different iterations. I mean, Gary Cahill's been phenomenal. Told uh, you. Love that guy. Player of the month. And I didn't realise actually how, for a defender, how young he is still. He's like 32, 33. Yeah, he's pretty young. Is he? Uh-huh. So he's still got a few years. Uh, yeah, definitely. And I always felt he was underrated at Chelsea. Always felt he was underrated because he's like really actually smart. His vision for the defence and where attacking situations are going to go is like way above average. A player like that buys himself another couple of years because he's clever. Mm-hmm. Like he can, you know, if, because he can read the game, um, then then he buys himself another couple of years where his pace wo- or or lack of pace as he goes gets older won't be as important because he can read the game so well. Yeah, agreed. Um, so that's that fills me with a bit of hope. But it's just centre back we're good, right back is only Joel Ward who's been doing well. But you know we get one injury there and it changes a few things. Yeah. And we just need strikers. I mean, the Batshuayi stuff has resurfaced again, so who knows what happened. There's been interviews and things with Zaha all over the place saying how he's over, you know, he understood what happened in the summer and he wasn't too happy, but what the papers said was all crap, as you can imagine, Sky Sports and the Daily Fail, saying that he was then pushing for a move or going to boycott or whatever. Um, but we just need, we need a few decent signings. I mean... The, the business we've done so far this year has paid off massively. I mean, Jordan Ayew scored five goals for us. Vicente Guaita has been fantastic. Um, James McCarthy has been really good. And I think the combined fees for those guys is less than three million. Ooh, that's amazing. So we're doing some good business, though. It's just I think we need a, a few more in. Yeah. And it, it just makes me think that we're building up to something. But... Yeah, Zaha's hitting form at a nice time as well. As you say, you've got these tricky fixtures coming up, but he is coming into a vein mm. of form which is really nice. He did he did really well against West Ham. Yeah, he, he, he was dancing around them sometimes. He really did, and he, he was he was fighting well, and has done for the last. I'd probably say it has been the last two or three games where he's really started to to you know be how he how he always was. But yeah, we go into a tough run of fixtures. I think if we can get something good out of this and still stay kind of near to the mid-table, then that's that's pretty good. Yeah, and I think it's hard to understate the effect that Jordan Ayew actually scoring goals has had. Like, <laughs> to me, that no, ge- like, I'm not even joking. Like, genuinely, that's the difference between you guys, you know, struggling to stay mid-table versus being up in the conversation with Chelsea and Leicester. Even if you'll probably fall off over the long term, like, those five goals are worth a lot of points. So if, if, him, if he can kind of keep that going and then Zaha comes in, like, you're having a laugh, you know? You're just having a good old time. 
It's having a lovely time. A lovely time. A lovely time. Very nice. Uh, moving on to the next match, we switch into Sunday. I did actually get to watch these. We have Manchester City 0, <laughs> Wolves 2. This was a surprise when it came in. Was it? Because I did say a few weeks ago, and I, you know, of course the 8-0 happened, but right before that, I was like, hey, watch out for Manchester City's defense for the next couple of months. Okay, And okay. now they give so, up 1.6 so to City. Here's what happened. Wolves, I mean. You made a statement. One week it wasn't proved wrong, right? <laughs> so you made the same statement again, and now this week it has been proved right. That doesn't... That you're 50-50, mate. It's coin flip right now. So don't be going sucking yourself off, all right? <laughs> I what? have all my ribs, I'll have you know. So, okay, good. Um, what I will concede, though, and I, as much as I say that, I think you are, you know, you are right. Otamendi is not a leader at the back. He made a classic Otamendi error going in on Jimenez, who was amazing in this game. I mean, get him in your FPL team. Like, he's dropped like five million since he came in. <laughs> and it, get him. Done. Yeah. Um, and so did a great bit of skill to beat him and played in Traore, who's had a very, like very slow start to his career considering all the plaudits he's kind of got and he's an absolute unit and can sprint at a billion miles an hour um, but it's, he, he dispatched the goal amazingly and then replicated it almost beat for beat about 13 minutes later yeah but it is two weeks in a row now like it's not just the you know the eight zero was two weeks ago last week they conceded 2.4 to Everton Everton who we just talked about are not having a good season and then this week, 1.2 to Wolves, and this was at the Etihad. Like, those yeah. are genuinely worrying. And I am i don't remember their underlying numbers for the Champions League, but, you know, they're kind of hoping to do a Chelsea at this point until their defenders come back because they just need to outscore everybody. And if that doesn't happen, then they're really looking at trouble. Like, they only generated 1.6, which is, for most teams, that would be a lot. And especially generating 1.6 and scoring zero, you know, bad day out. But, like, for City, especially if they're going to try to rely on their attacking, they need to be generating way more than that and scoring way more than that. Otherwise, Liverpool's just going to run away. The first half, they it, it was that classic, like, there were so many fine margins. You know, it, it easily could have just been a... I think David Silva hit the bar from a free kick, and there was another chance that just went wide and then you could easily see City going in 2-0 at half time and that's that's it it completely changes it um so I think you're you're right in a way that they they just need to be generating that XG the same as they did um but taking the chances and and hammering it because it's easy now for you know Liverpool was seven points clear in December they had the chance to go 10 but then that's when they they muffed it up but right now they're eight points after eight games. It's insane. Like, it doesn't matter kind of how long there is to go. Like, this is exactly what we're saying, what we said before the season that City needed to do to concentrate yeah. on the Champions League. And Liverpool were doing that. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a good really good point, actually. Yeah. Man City, when it comes to the Champions League now, Man City can't devote hundred percent to it because They've got to chase Liverpool down. They have no, to. exactly. Yeah, they can't. They can't just concede the league. Like they, you know, I guess they do prioritize the Champions League, but you know, their fans and rightly so would fucking riot if they're just yeah. like, yeah, Liverpool can have it, whatever. Yeah, especially if Liverpool do it at a canter. Yeah, and I think uh, here's a a number that to me is like really striking, is and we can transition to my team next. Chelsea's defense has obviously been bad, right? We can all agree on that. Um, they've conceded nine point eight. 6 XGA, Manchester City, 9.66. That is basically dead even in terms of the underlying numbers with Chelsea for expected goals allowed, which is like, I I don't even know any other way to sh like show that that's really worrying than to say that they've been as bad as Chelsea. Like Yeah, because Ch Chelsea have been getting a lot of heat over obviously not having Rudiger and Kante and Zuma making mistakes. So, yeah, exactly. Chelsea have been getting a lot of heat over their defence and the numbers are the same. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and we've said XG for points. Sorry, just to bring it back quickly before we move on to Chelsea. But City are on expected points at 18.4. Yep. And Liverpool's expected points are 16.7. Yep. So as much as Watford are 
underperforming their numbers. Liverpool are overperforming at the minute. And I think that comes in with a bit of where a few of those wins have been scrapes and that, that classic, as you said before, Ian, just that's what champions do. They just find a way to win. That's yeah, that's that's quite a quite a difference though. Yeah. Yeah, nearly two points ahead on expected, but expected doesn't get you real points. Yeah, not yet at least, because it's only eight matches. You know, again, that is highly predictive over the course of a whole season, but it's still pretty early on. In it. Go on in, Oscar. Let's talk about Chelsea. Chelsea four, Southampton one. That was pretty fun. Chelsea only one point eight on XG, so they pretty much doubled their expected, which is Burnley of the week. Bit of, bit of Burnley of the Week potential. Uh, Southampton 1.2, so exactly scoring. Um, I literally, in our group chat with the uh, old Gafferazzi's, we were up like 2-0. And I was like, I'm not going to be comfortable until this is 4-0 and then Southampton will score. And our good friend Raf was like, you know, kind of cracked a joke about like, ha ha ha, there's no way. They scored and then it ended up 4-1. It was exactly what I said was going to happen because our fucking team... Cannot keep a clean sheet to save our lives. No, and because, like we said before, they Chelsea need to get to four goals so they can win. Exactly. And we did hit four goals, and I was like, oh, okay, good, we're good. And that fourth goal, it was a good game. Callum started. Callum played great. There's a lot to talk about, but it's a lot of the same stuff we've kind of been talking about, so I don't want to keep harping on the same points. But what I do, what did sort of jump out to me from the Chelsea fan perspective, other than it's really fun to score four goals, <laughs> yes, is uh, that last goal, pool assist, is back. For all the talk of how uh, <laughs> Pulisic, I like it. Yeah, for all the talk of Pulisic not getting enough minutes, and I and I do think that he like could use more. He still got three assists in the league, and that pass he took out about five defenders with a little <laughs> shimmy and a th- perfectly weighted through ball for Batshuayi then nutmeg the keeper. Like it was a really nice goal. And sure, it's garbage time minutes, but like that soft, perfectly threaded through ball. Gave me quite the boner. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. You know? You've got a lot to get boners over with this Chelsea team at the minute. I mean, again, it's just every week it's the same names popping up, but there's just such a variety because of the amount of goals he's scoring. Yeah. Like Kante gets another goal, a lovely goal. Abraham, Batshuayi, Mount, uh, Williams in there again. Hudson Adoy, first game back. Was it his first game back? Well, first start. First sorry. start, yeah. Yeah, he got a sub appearance last time. Pulisic comes in. Jorginho's been getting more attacking returns. Abraham now's on, what, like eight goals? Yeah, I think he's tied with Aguero for Golden Boot right now. It is a lovely time. Sort out Did anyone defense. have Abraham for the Golden Boot? No? no. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember who I put for it. No, I don't. But I didn't put him. I didn't no. either. <laughs> I didn't. I wasn't even sure he'd be the starting striker for Chelsea. Like, no. Well, we didn't know, did yeah. we? No. Yeah, and he's been phenomenal. One tactical note here, I guess, for the Chelsea fans listening, is that it was interesting. We switched back to the four three three despite Alonso being in there, because that was the only way to get both Mount and Callum in the lineup. He, they, we had been playing Mount out wide, which is not his natural position. So the fact that he'd been so good, yeah, it's kind of crazy. This time he shifted, so Kovacic dropped out, and we had a mid-three of Jorginho, Kante, and Mount. Jorginho, which, by the way, I want to shout out some love to him. He was made vice-captain of the club, and after the horrible season he had last year getting booed by the fans, he has 100% turned it around. He has been amazing this year, both with his play and with his, like, leadership. Yeah, attitude. Yeah, he's been fantastic. Yeah, he's just been hustling nonstop. So fully deserved to get the vice-captain there. Did the players um, vote for it in some sort of embarrassing situation? <laughs> yeah, or big just tombola. did Frank make a decision? I think Frank just made the decision there. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah. So we switched back to the 4-3-3. Mount was in the middle. And then you had Willian and Callum out wide. And it worked really well. I don't think you're going to get away with playing that, you know, every week. Because we're not going to be playing Southampton every week. But, yeah, you know, yeah. when when we're playing a better attacking team, you can't just have Alonso in a back four. Um, but it's nice to know that it's an option. Which is great. And Willian has been good. Like, I get why Pulisic isn't getting the starts. Willian has been phenomenal, to his credit. Mm. And so he's keeping Pulisic really out of the side like that. So, Are there any slight, I don't know, fitness concerns or something? There's been some quotes about Pulisic that just make me think there's something behind the scenes. Yeah, I don't know exactly what's going on. There's been weird, yeah, it's, different it's sort of comments. Weird, but there's just been a couple of things that have been said. That just make me make me wonder. I really hope he's going to be all right. So I'm pulling for him to do well, yeah. genuinely. But 
Um, I get yeah, the I sense just... that Frank is just trying to motivate him. Frank okay. obviously learned a lot from Mourinho from playing under Mourinho. Yeah. And while not having such a toxic personality, a lot of Mourinho's like man management tactics, especially early on in his career, he really knew how to get the best out of his players. And so I think Frank's doing a bit of that with the, you know, just saying like, oh, Pulisic will get his chance, but he really needs to prove himself in training. He really needs to keep trying and working hard and blah, 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 blah. I think my gut tells me that that's just a motivation technique. I don't actually think there's okay. anything. Rather than any genuine problem. Yeah, exactly. But Fair enough. who knows? You know, obviously, kind of have to maybe take Frank at his at face value, at his word. At least Pedro didn't start. <laughs> and did you see their little handshake? Pulisic and uh, Batshuayi after the goal. They had like a predetermined handshake that like they must just do in practice all the time. It was adorable. So, <laughs> And uh, all the American fans were like, oh, Batman and Captain America celebrating DC Marvel oh, crossover. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that was nice. Um, moving along, because really I don't have anything to say about Chelsea other than that was nice. We got Arsenal 1, Bournemouth 0. Arsenal 1.3 to Bournemouth 0.7. So... Kind of lucky to get away with that as opposed to a 1-1 draw. But Arsenal, I don't know, looked about reasonable for this. Pepe, he got an assist, but he's come under a lot of criticism uh, since he's been at Arsenal because obviously they paid... What did they pay for him in the end? Was it like 70 million or something? A whole fucking lot. It was a <laughs> hell of a lot. And obviously he's quite a young player and hasn't hasn't really got going just yet. And so there's quite a lot of pressure there. And as well, when you're in a team that's misfiring and doesn't know who their captain is each week, um, or they do now, I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah, they've done the raffle. <laughs> they did the raffle, sorry. Um, captain raffle. Granite Jacker. Um, yeah, it's just, it's nice to see him get something and try and get started, especially with Lacazette out of the team. Just just to have another player to get going other than Aubameyang. I mean, yeah, they really desperately need that. And I, I haven't dug into Pepe's underlying numbers or anything like that, but just from the eye test, from having watched a bunch of their matches, he does seem kind of wasteful on the ball. Like, he'll get through and he'll be in a one-on-one type situation or... And then try and beat someone again. He's yeah. He's very much like, um, from what I've seen, a much more expensive and a much more able Yannick Balassi. Um, <laughs> because I, I said much more expensive and much more able. Okay, yeah, you like qualified they're, they're it. You're cut, fine. Yeah. They're cut from a similar cloth because Balassi was like that. He was an incredibly gifted and talented player, and he was amazing to watch. And he could beat everyone. Like he got he got a move put into FIFA for fuck's sake. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't mean anything when you beat a player three times, then beat another four players, and then when you get to put your cross in, it goes out for a throw-in on the other side. Right, exactly. And so yeah. I think it's just a part of his game, Pepe, that he just needs to kind of start to grow up a bit and start to know how to be a bit more functional with your play. He's 24, so he really should be growing out of that by now. But to look at it from a different point of view, like... At least he's trying to do something. I mean, like, Arsenal's creativity has been really poor. I mean, Aubameyang's been do- managing to make hay out of nothing. Like, it's, it's just been, you know, he's he's been doing miracles, basically. But, like, I get it when you're watching a team and no one's creating anything, but someone's going, fuck it, I'll run at someone and I'll try and do something. And... Yeah, you know, I can. I feel like cutting him a bit slack. That's all, because I think that Arsenal team's not fun to watch, and I think he might be fun to watch. Like, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, I, can, yeah. I can see them cutting him a bit slack, basically. And funnily enough, just today, um, Wilfred Zaha has been quoted coming out in the papers because obviously they they play for each other for Ivory Coast, play for each other, play with each other. Sorry, for Ivory Coast, and you know, he said, "I see the social media, everything. He's come from another league. He's young." There's a price tag that he's not put on himself. People have put that on him because of his performances. So you've got to give him time to reproduce that. Like, it's not going to come just like that. And and it's exactly true. You know, 70, £72 million it was that they paid for him. Oof. He, it, that's not under his control. No, of that's, course. You then have those expectations. So I think give him time and he'll come good. But hopefully not in an Arsenal shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's hope. Because, yeah, he does get himself in good positions. He does have all the technical talent. And if he can put it all together with that one final pass or the one final shot and his, like, decision-making in that final moment, then 
he could be a very dangerous player, not just for Arsenal, but like, you know, like Premier League elite, you know, player of the year type conversations. So, you know, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, Arsenal are slowly moving up the expected points table as well. They were way the fuck down there. Now they're catching up to Tottenham, although maybe that's more of Tottenham falling down to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knows? Say. But they're meeting somewhere little in the middle. A, little from column A, little from column B. Yeah. But Arsenal, and it, and this is just one other thing, like we joked about Arsenal loads and how woeful they are, etc, etc. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. One point behind Man City. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and one point ahead of Chelsea. But I'm not at all worried about that bet I made with Adam because our underlying numbers are fantastic. And theirs are not at all. Anyway, um, I didn't think I'd ever say this this year um, because of how we prefaced the season. We're talking about who's going to get relegated. But can we talk about Newcastle now? Absolutely. Yes, can, we yes. talk about, can we talk about how... That, I mean, I'm excited to talk about Man United as well because they are fucking shit. Well, we're going to have to really get into that conversation next week because I strongly disagree. Um, but we'll save that Fuck mostly. You. Let's just focus on this one you match right now. Newcastle yeah. won... Manchester United zero. Manchester United getting Burnley yet again. Newcastle putting up point six to Man United's one point zero. Uh, whatever. <laughs> United lose again. Do we think that Ole is going to make it past the international break? Yes. Yeah. Is he just there for the season? Like come hell or high water? I think he's there until they get someone better. Until they get a big name. Yeah, that is the thing. It's got to be, because he, he can't stay there. He's won 25% of his games <laughs> at what is, in quotes, the biggest club in the world. Yeah, that's increasingly generous of a title. But how, I mean, he's never done nothing. Nothing, nothing, never. And <laughs> what's funny is, I can't remember where I saw this as well, but, oh no, sorry, it was on Twitter, that uh, his old team, Mulder, are just about to win the league. And obviously he managed them for three years, four years, didn't win nothing. Last last time Mulder won the league, when Oli Scholar Solskjaer got relegated with Cardiff. So <laughs> like he went to a league that's considerably lower in quality and couldn't win with a team that has won the league as basically as bookends to when he's been there. Like he's not a good manager. No, he's really it was not. just things were so not. bad when he came in that he, he kind of managed to fly by the seat of his pants and go, well, I guess I'm here now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, well, Mourinho hasn't landed anywhere yet. Maybe they could give him a go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, why not? See yeah, how that goes. I feel very proud of myself because I called it. I called it last you week. You did. You really did. Brighton and I Newcastle called Brighton and Newcastle winning. Did I put money on it? Did I fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I would almost feel bad for United if I didn't fucking hate them so much because they continue to have the best defense by underlying numbers and they are basically about even with Watford for most underperforming. Like no one else, they are, the two of them are far and away the most over underperforming and no one else is even close. Uh, uh, yeah, seven points less. <laughs> yep. They are underperforming as much as Liverpool are overperforming and it's... Like, really fucking weird. It's just a weird year. It's just, they don't pass the eye test for anything. No, and their attack does not work if Martial isn't there alongside Rod, Rod, Rashford. Why can't I say Rashford? Rashford. Yeah, Rashford. Rashford. Like, they could not get him back any sooner. They are dying. Their attacks just go nowhere. Nowhere. Yeah, I think you're right. He started, Martial did start off the season very, very brightly. Um, and then they kind of lost their way on that. But why? What I mean, what what was going on with Luke? Why didn't they just keep Lukaku? Like he's great. <laughs> better than Jaylings, who's not a fucking striker. Like their only striker is Jesse fucking Lingard. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, Lukaku scored three goals in seven games for Inter Milan. Like. <laughs> He's having a lovely time, apart from the racism. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Gloss over that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Man United suck. It's great. Newcastle United still suck. Um, but Steve we'll... Bruce beating a Man United team as well. That's not happened before, is it? First time in 23 attempts as a manager, I believe it Jesus was. Jesus Christ. Wow. 
That's a good stat. I like that one. I bet they met up afterwards probably and Solskjaer was like, what the fuck, mate? Like, you're supposed to roll over for me. Yeah. yeah and he does stuff, roll mate. very easily, Steve Bruce. Yeah. Just put him on his side, push him down a hill. He rolls all very day. Very hard to stop him, yeah. yeah. In fact, they should, yeah, they should fire Ollie. Like, he just lost to Steve Bruce's Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> Do we think that there's a way out for Man United, like we talk about Watford and being like, I don't know what the fuck's going on there. With United, it's much more obvious. Like they just don't have a striker, they don't have a functional attack. But like they can kind no, of sort that over. out. It's, it's squad depth all over. I mean, you compare this squad to seven, eight years ago, and it's so poor in comparison. And but way more expensive at the same time. And yeah, yet, yeah, and yet their wage bill is somehow ridiculous. I mean, how does that happen? That's bad management, top to bottom. And I mean, I've seen loads of stuff about like someone uh, tweeted something about a picture of Ashley Young um, seven years ago uh, in with the fans watching a game because he couldn't get in the squad, and now he's the captain. Yeah, and like it and stuff like that, and it's just like it really shows how far they've father fallen i think it's it's yeah it's not good yeah i mean they've got liverpool next uh at old trafford so you'd assume that's a dick in the way they've been playing mm, um, i'm gonna say united win that one no i think their underlying numbers are gonna catch up with them sooner or later they're not they don't just have a good defense they have the best defense no and yeah. liverpool are wildly overperforming like those two things are gonna meet in the middle Oscar, I, I see Liverpool day, playing up to the occasion. I really, I don't know. I can't see Man U winning. Keep coming at me with these hypothetical stats. I'm going to smash you with a hypothetical baseball bat. Like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Man United are shit right now. Like, awful. They can't score and they're conceding to teams like Newcastle. Teams like Newcastle, when for that goal as well, like Matty Longstaff, he hit it well. He hit it bottom corner from outside the box. Man United had seven players between him and the goal. Like it wasn't like it was a breakaway no. or a yeah. counter attack, like a sucker punch, like Wolves. He just scored through their entire defense. <laughs> it's such a low percentage shot that it went in. It's weird. It wasn't even like particularly well hit either. No, especially because of his first half one that he absolutely cracked, and that that one deserved to go in. Uh, if anything, maybe it was just a, an expected goal coming back. There you go. That's how it yeah, worked. That's how it evens out. Um, yeah, that's how it is. Um, All right. VAR awarded it. But after, anyway, after Man United get dicked by Liverpool, uh, they've then got Norwich. So, I mean, and then Bournemouth, then Brighton, Sheffield United and Villa. So they've got three of the five promoted teams. Sorry, three promoted teams in the next five games. All right, well, I think we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there for this week on the uh, sort of short, quick Game Week 8 review. Um, and next week, we will be back. We'll take a bigger look at the table. We have quite a bit of listener stuff, again, which is nice to always have that to go to. So anything, any last words, gentlemen? Oh, yeah, I'm... Um... I'm guest hosting on the Always Cheating FPL podcast this week. What? You're you're cheating on us. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) I'm I'm literally cheating on you. Yeah. Why why you? Yeah. Why you? Why me? Yeah, no, this is like, I'm going to say, I mean, this is the worst time they could have asked me. I'm having. You are. (laughs) Man United, you are riding on the coattails <laughs> you of your take class. Back. <laughs> I'm beating you in FPL now. Yes. You're bottom I've... out of the three of us. And the and... community team. Yeah, and I beat you last year. But my expected points are very good. It doesn't <laughs> matter what your expected points are. <laughs> yeah, I'm having a bad season, and yes, I expect most of the Twitter backlash to be, who's this c- Who the fuck's this c- <laughs> but my previous record's lovely, and yeah. I'm a you know, and I'm a legitimate podcaster now. So at the very least, a podcaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, yeah, exactly. I've got a podcast. I choose whether I'm. If you're an or FPL not. podcast and you have the opportunity to have a guest host who's ranked 1.7 million in the world, like how are you going to possibly pass that up? Exactly, exactly. Undeniable seven- insights. Yeah. Because sometimes you have to teach people what not to do. <laughs> I was oh, about to make God. the same joke. Love it. Is that what I am? I don't know. I'm wondering if you're being brought on to be the butt of the joke. 
That's almost definitely what's happening. Sure it won't. They're, Brandon and Josh are both lovely guys, so I'm sure they wouldn't be doing that to you, Ian. Especially as you've been listening to them for, like, years. Hmm. Uh, I'm not so sure now. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried. Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> Actually, listening back last week with all the... Like, it was a... It's very surprising to me all the things that I said because I was on so much cough medicine. Like, listening to a new episode, I do feel that we went in a bit hard on you. I was trying to make a joke and then I just kept going and going and going. So I'm going to try to pull back a little bit and hopefully they uh, they can kind of step in and fill the void and abuse you sufficiently on Sunday. Given that we are uh, we kind of here took it easy on you. So, you know. I'm sure they'll do that. And as I say, if not, the Twitter backlash will. <laughs> All right, well, and on that note, make sure you tune in to Stimmers on Always Cheating and find us next week for some, some bigger conversations. On find the us if you can. We're going to hide. You'll probably need to hire Colleen Rooney to see where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> Colleen Rooney investigates. <laughs> What's the Murder, She Wrote theme? Put the Murder, She Wrote theme in. <laughs> <laughs> Wagatha Christie. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>